Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to hear from you. Um, Emily has told me a lot about you and that you're a very interesting person. So shout out to Emily for connecting us. She was on the previous, uh, she was the first guest I've had. So she was on the previous episodes. Yeah, I'm glad she was able to connect us. That's a small world. I mean, I haven't seen her in over a year since I was in Colorado uh, for a few weeks during the pandemic last year, just kind of camping and stuff. So small world, but I'm glad she was able to make the connection. Yeah. Was she already doing that nomad life when you had met her in Colorado? I, uh, I don't know, probably not to the degree that she is now. Um, but I think a little bit at that point, it was still kind of early in the, well, early in the pandemic, like June. So now we're <laughs> a lot later in it, but yeah, I think she's been doing that. Uh, yeah. Kind of since then. So June, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm really glad she connected us as well. Like I also just met her on a random off chance too, <laughs> but it's really funny how, you know, people get connected to each other, which is kind of why I wanted to make this podcast is kind of connecting people with those that you normally wouldn't think of running into. Um, but once you do, you find out how interesting people really are and how much you can learn from each other and what similarities we have. So I'm really, really excited to hear from you. But so you're in Chicago, right? Yes. Um, was born and raised here in the suburbs, one called Downers Grove. And then um, I've lived in some other places for university and after graduation. Um, but I moved back here in 2018 and have been here since. Okay, cool. So can you tell us a little bit about your early life, like background, whatever you want to uh, let us know about? Yeah, um, I guess for purposes of this conversation, um, just grew up in the suburbs. Um, and like, I know we'll, we'll talk about running a little bit here, but um, was never really much of a runner growing up. Um, like my main, I mainly played tennis and some other sports just for fun, but tennis was really my main sport that I played competitively throughout um, high school and even before and whatnot. But um, like running played, was always. I played okay. tennis too in high school. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good was... sport to learn young because then you can play your whole life and it's okay to not be super great. <laughs> no, well, that was the case with me. I wasn't super great. I was just <laughs> in it for fun, pretty much. I was only in JV for one year, uh, but I never got to take, you know, like private classes or anything like that. I wish I would have because it would have helped a lot, but uh, <laughs> it was just something fun that I did you know I was always in dance in high school but my junior year I decided to take a break from dance and pursue tennis instead and I'm really glad I did you know I made a lot of friends through that and it was a lot of fun but I'm not the best technically <laughs> in tennis I need to work on my surf a lot but yes I do enjoy playing so that's good yeah. you so you play tennis competitively your whole high school career yeah. Um, and then went to school at Indiana University in Bloomington. Um, so I was definitely not good enough to play at a D1 school. So um, I still played a little bit. And even today, I still play occasionally, but um, 
not anything too crazy, um, not in any leagues or anything, but I do enjoy it still and have a lot of good friends from the tennis team in high school that I still am in touch with. So uh, very grateful for playing throughout my life and my whole my whole family plays too. So it's always fun to get out and play when we're on vacation or together. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. But. So how did you... <laughs> How did you get into running? Since I know that's what you're more focused on nowadays. Yeah. So the last few years, running's definitely taken the bulk of my time and energy um, for any sort of physical type activities. Um, so how I got into it is kind of random, but um, I had I was doing a backpacking trip through Asia. I did nine months um, solo backpacking. Um, and throughout that experience, I was, I was on a budget as well. I had worked for a year after college, uh, did not like my job at all. So I quit that and decided to go do this travel or this backpacking trip. Um, so during the trip, I was trying to walk as much as possible, like around cities, one, just for cost effectiveness and two, just to actually get a better sense of the place I was at. Um, so I was in good shape just from like, honestly, just walking all day. Like there were days in China where I was doing, uh, like I would walk for 20 miles around the city, like Beijing and stuff, like sun up to sun down and just walking around exploring, um, that. And then I ended in New Zealand. Um, I was in New Zealand for 34 days or so. And during that I was hiking a ton. So that helped like get me in really good shape too. So I, through the travel stuff, I kind of, got like in really weirdly good shape kind of accidentally. Um, and so I got back from that and I was super broke cause I just spent all my money, but I'm like, well, I kind of want to like continue to stay in shape or like do something else and push myself more. So, um, one of the main themes that I tried to live by when I was traveling was like grow through discomfort. And you know, I know it sounds cliche, but getting out of your comfort zone, um, I really tried to live that in day-to-day -day life or just wherever I was at. So when I got home, I'm like, okay, well, how can I, what's the way I can implement that in my life back at home when I am not traveling or in these different environments that make it easier to, to live that way because you're not used to it and you're already kind of a transplant. Um, so for whatever reason, I'm like, you know what, I've I've never really run much uh, beyond like a 5k for Thanksgiving or a holiday um, or like for punishment for tennis. So I think I'm going to try to do a half marathon. There's one in two months coming up in Chicago and I'm going to sign up for it and train and, and see if I can do it. Um, so it, running really began as a way to push myself um, to something that I didn't think I was possible of doing. Um, and over the last, I guess, almost three years now, um, I've just continued using it as that way. And it's really taken me to some pretty insane places um, to run in and just through um, physical and mental barriers that I've shattered through of my own life and some people I've met through it. So it's been a really cool, um, new, relatively new aspect of my life and my interests. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And like you have a lot of maybe inspiration to draw from that and share with <laughs> others. Um, and then you've been running for three years after you graduated from college. Is that right? Um, I will. So I graduated from college in 2016. 
and then started running in 2018 after um so a little like a little I ran a little bit after college and stuff but never anything consistently okay I would just do it as like a supplement to lifting or just when I need to get out right and now you're consistently running for it's been about three years So you mentioned having a job after college that you didn't like for about a year. Can you tell us a little more about that and why you decided to quit? Yeah. So this, I was working as a business development rep for like a huge tech company in Austin, Texas. And um, it was just all, all pretty much cold calling, cold emailing outreach on LinkedIn and whatever platform you could reach people on. Um, and just like trying to basically initiate conversations with these people, um, to talk about their digital marketing software and the tools and what we sell to see if we can help them. Um, so the job itself was like, it was a good job. I'm not going to like, I, I, it was, it paid well. I, I liked it. It was good, but, um, it just was not what I wanted out of a career. Uh, like I looked at the the path that most people go on in that, whether it's staying with the company or beyond. And I just didn't really have much interest in that path. Um, and I mean, I, six months in, like I really, really disliked the job, like to a point where I was having trouble even just going into the office. Like I'd go and sit down at my desk and I just look around and be like, why am I here? This is miserable. Like I, it was affecting way more beyond than just like my work life. You know, I was having trouble like enjoying going out on the weekends and like socializing. And it was just a, so misaligned with what I actually wanted to live and do that. It was just super, super negative for me, but in a way it turned into a positive because um, I wanted, it made me want to do something that was more aligned with what I wanted. And which was like the sense of adventure and taking risks and more creativity and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I loved Austin. I'd still move back there, I think, but in terms of my working there, it was just, I, you know, I was just a fresh college kid, super excited to be working somewhere and make some real money. And, um, I think it was just a really big shock like that early on to have that such, such a dramatic negative experience and, felt really lost and confused during that for sure. Right. And as you're talking, I think that your motto of growth through discomfort, it really rang loud to me as you were speaking that, you know, you thought that you had, you know, succeeded and that this is what you were supposed to do, expectations of society and whatnot. But through that discomfort, you were pushed to find something that you can seek true growth. So that's, I feel like a lot of people are relating to this as you're speaking. What did you study in college? Um, I studied finance. So I was at the business school in Indiana and um, I'm still in business, but not finance. Okay. So that was in um, Indiana, you said? Mm-hmm. And what about your family? Like, did you get any, um, I don't know, like expectations or pressures from your family about moving to get this job, you know, supposed, supposed good job with room for growth uh, at this big tech company versus when you left? Did your family or friends have any um, say about that? Um, no, not really. 
my my parents have always been pretty supportive of of my own decisions what whether that is i mean i haven't put them through the easiest tests or not tests but the easiest uh support in the last few years having doing those jobs and moving out of state and then quitting and going to travel and doing some other crazy things that uh no doubt have put some stress on them and because you know they just want to make sure i'm okay and i'm safe but um yeah, no, I've I've been very fortunate with not having to deal with like parental pressure to do a certain thing. Um, at least in my adult life, they've been very good about um, providing support however they can. But ultimately, they know it's my decision and um, I need to live with it. So they've been very good with that. So I'm very grateful for that. That sounds amazing. It's always good when you have family support and not, you know, they don't add additional pressure like, yes, mom, I understand this is a good job, but I'm not happy. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. And, and that's one of my, uh, one of my friends, her mom is kind of like that, like a lot more pressure, like you need to, you know, like career focused and even if you're not happy and stuff like that. So that would add a whole nother layer to having to make those decisions and tough life choices. So to anyone dealing with that, I, I wish I had some better advice, but I don't. Um, but ultimately, I think for me, it was more just like um, I stopped, like I didn't ask for permission to do any of this stuff. I basically told them what I was doing and if they liked it or not, oh, well. So yeah, ask for uh, forgiveness, not permission. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just going to say. It sounded like you did a lot of things backwards. Like, you know, some people take a gap year after high school go travel, whatnot, or do some odd jobs and then start college. So it sounded like you did what you were expected to do. You know, you finished college with a finance degree, you know, that's not easy. That's a big deal as it is. And then you then went on to uh, do the travels and finding yourself afterwards. So it's kind of <laughs> like you had your gap year after working, but I want to talk about this China to New Zealand trip. How long did that last and how did you end up there? And uh, tell me about the stops you've made in between. Yeah. So, um, the backpacking trip was mostly in, in like East Asia and Southeast Asia, um, started in Japan. And that was really the only thing that I knew I was start, like I had plans for was two weeks in Tokyo. And then I knew I was going to Singapore to meet a friend at some date. And that was pretty much it. So I had kind of nine months wide open. Um, and I chose that part of the world because um, one, it's pretty inexpensive. I, I was definitely going for the budget travel type thing, trying to extend my money for as long as possible. So spending like 30 to $40 a day, um, including accommodations and food and everything. So that was doable in that area of the world, um, at least at the time. And I, I'd actually studied abroad in Singapore in college. So I was super interested in seeing some of these places that I didn't get to see or only got to see like the super touristy sections for a weekend trip or whatnot. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, the, the two places I spent the longest um, were China, which I was there for two months. Um, and then uh, that was kind of in the middle of the trip. Um, and then at the end was New Zealand, um, just because I wanted to do some hikes and see that place. But uh, yeah, I mean, all the usual suspects for Southeast Asia, um, Thailand, Philippines, Cambodia, Laos, 
Vietnam, I did all those, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, um, Bali, um, and then, yeah, China and Taiwan, Hong Kong, if you consider that not China, I don't know, it's a weird <laughs> environment right now, <laughs> um, but good yeah, point. very mean, good point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a really cool trip overall. That sounds amazing. I feel like I need to sit you down and like break down every single country that you went to <laughs> in a separate episode. <laughs> you could definitely do that. Each each place was so unique and interesting and like just had such its own way of life. I was amazed by. Yeah, break out your travel journals if you had any at the time. <laughs> I did I did keep one and I have flipped through it um and it's always like so weird because it feels it's still a lot of the stuff that I wrote in there is still like pretty vivid in my memory maybe because I did write it down or I'm able to look back at it but uh it's really cool to like look back and look at what I was thinking at the time or um just like what was going on and how I was interpreting the world so it was definitely recommend keeping a journal if you're traveling, even if it's just like a week trip you're doing, or even in the U.S., like journaling is a very powerful tool. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, just reading back on some of the things that you've written in the past, either you're thinking, was I that stupid? <laughs> My younger self, why Why was I thinking this way? Or was I that self-centered? You know, all I was thinking, I was just writing about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, if anyone would like to do that, try to keep a travel journal. I have a friend who keeps a hiking journal and it's, it gets into a little too much detail almost. It, <laughs> it goes into like the temperature today. How's the weather like? What's... <laughs> it's a little, it's a little too much. And it has like pre-filled uh, areas where you can write you know, like prompts of like, how are you feeling today? How's the sun? <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, sure. If you break out your travel journal and whatever you see, if you find something like, oh, I almost forgot that that, that happened in Cambodia, then definitely we can sit down and talk about it again in the future. <laughs> so from, I think you told me before it was like nine months from China to New Zealand, the whole, the whole entire trip. That's how long you were gone for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It started in uh, October, 2017. Um, and yeah, landed in Japan to start off with and then um, made my way around and then New Zealand. And then I met my family actually in Hawaii um, in like mid June and we had a two week vacation there and then I flew back home with them in July. So it was cool. Like capping it all off with another vacation essentially in Hawaii with my whole family. So right. really, really cool. And they got to see that you were okay. Yeah. Most importantly. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, having a budget of like $30 a day while you were backpacking, how does that work? You know, obviously trying to find hostels or street food. So were there certain countries that was easier or harder to do that in Asia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hardest was probably Japan. It just, just generally more expensive. And even if, I mean, outside of Tokyo, it's not anything too crazy, but just a little more expensive. Um, but then other than that, obviously New Zealand, New Zealand, probably the most expensive of anything that I, any place I visited. Um, 
But yeah, it's, I mean, I did a lot of couch surfing in those places. Um, not New Zealand, it's harder there, but like Singapore and Japan, I did some couch surfing. Um, so tried to like find ways to cut back on spending and ways to like save because um, I had an X amount of money and I could travel as long as I had that money. And if it ran out, then I'd have to go home. So, or find a job abroad for a few weeks or something, which um, I did volunteer actually at a surf hostel in Taiwan for three weeks. So that was a good way to A, basically spend no money, um, have accommodation paid for. Some of my meals were comped or paid for. So um, yeah, you know, there's creative ways to get around spending in some other places. So uh, just takes a little bit more work. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. Surf hostel in Taiwan. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, it was sweet. <laughs> and how do you arrange this couch surfing thing? Is it just people you know or people that you like were already friends with before? Uh, so there's actually a website called Couchsurfing. I think it's dot com, maybe it's org, but yeah, it's a website literally dedicated to um finding people to stay with on their couch or extra bed um it's a very i've always found it to be very like open and easy uh most people who are on there and have accounts or are willing to host they're travelers as well and they just want to kind of like invite that into their lives when they're at home and maybe don't have the chance to travel so they host people and you know want to learn about wherever they're from or show them their city or or, I mean, I did have some people who were just like, yeah, if you just need a place to crash, I'm working and I won't be able to hang out with you much, but you use this extra bed and it's fine. So you get a wide range of people on there, but most are fellow travelers who just want to kind of pay it forward or, or help out another traveler along their journey. So it's a pretty cool community. That's really cool. I've never personally used it. So do you also kind of have an exchange going on where Hopefully, if like, do you have to sign up also to be, I guess, you know, lending a couch for when other people want to come visit your city? You don't have to. Um, I've actually, I've never hosted anyone. Um, and, but I've used it a lot to stay with people plenty, probably, uh, I don't even know how many times, but yeah, a good amount. So it's, and I think it's, it's free. At least it was when I was using it. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty good service if that's the route you're looking for while traveling. That's really amazing. I don't think most people have done that probably that I, I've never heard of anyone doing that. Um, is it like locals that you stay with or are there expats? Both. Yeah. I, I stayed with some of, some of both. Yeah. I usually expats are normally more not op- not more open to it, but they're very open to it because they're kind of like a tourist in the city as well, um, depending how long they've lived there. And they just want like someone else to kind of hang out with or show them around. Um, but a lot of locals were very open to it as well. So I, I had a good mix, I think. That's really interesting. And like even me growing up in China, although that was like 20 years ago, I've never heard of this. Uh, just thinking about the culture of, you know, us being pretty private and I've never, I've honestly never (laughs) heard of anything like that when I was little, (laughs) maybe now people are more different and, you know, with all the, you know, tourists and everything, maybe the 
the locals are more open to that. I'm not surprised that expats are doing it, especially if maybe they're lonely over there in, you know, a foreign country and they want to talk to some Westerners. Uh, but the locals, I'm really surprised that they're doing that, but that's really good to hear that, you know, that's news to me. And I'm really happy that you're able to find people that gave you a free bed, you know, in all these, yeah, all these Asian countries. That's like really amazing. Yeah. So I will, one other thing about it, I will say, even if you don't want to like use it for staying with someone, they do have like social features on it where you can like, um, they have groups on there or like events going on. So a lot of times I would use it just for finding like, oh, it's a random meetup on Thursday, every Thursday night in the city, we go to this bar. And if you're a traveler, come and hang out. So I did a lot of meetups like that just to meet other people and um, didn't need to stay anywhere because I had a hostel or whatever. But um, it is an also good tool for like meeting other people on the road. If you're a solo traveler or traveling with one other person and wanting to easily meet other people. But um, that is very dependent on the city. Um, You know, if London is obviously going to have a way more options in that feature than Toledo, Ohio in the U S or like some (laughs) random small town. Um, So nothing against Toledo uh, (laughs) guys, nothing against you guys. (laughs) I don't know why that popped into my head. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really good to know. I think I'll have to try it myself. I don't do a lot of solo traveling. Uh, Usually it's at least with one other person, but if it definitely makes it sound less daunting to me now, you know, if I did have the opportunity to take a solo backpacking trip or something like that, then that's, I would definitely try that at least the social features so that you feel like you're connected and you can meet other travelers just like you. Mm-hmm. So that's really awesome. Um, so t- maybe tell us a little more about, so did you fly from China or wherever the last country you were at straight to New Zealand? Um, so from China, I flew to Vietnam. Um, and then Vietnam, I was there for like a month. Um, from there, I went over to Laos. And then from Laos, I went to Hong Kong just for like three days. And then from Hong Kong to New Zealand. Okay. I did take a a bus from Vietnam to Laos, which was probably the worst like overnight bus experience I had because it was 30 30 hours or so on this bus. Um, I showed up to the, the border with no... US cash, which was super dumb and not enough. I I don't know what I was thinking. I showed up with no money essentially to pay like the entry requirement. It was like 35 US dollars. And luckily there were some German travelers right behind me who were super nice and friendly and they spotted me. And then once we got into Laos, I went to an ATM and gave them money back. But uh, yeah, I could have been stuck at the border for a little bit uh, had they not been there. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you have to have dollars not the local currency or you couldn't there was no way for you to get the local currency i guess because you had just gotten there yeah i should have like uh you know exchanged some in vietnam before i left or 
I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I just thought they'd have some sort of service there to uh, withdraw money or exchange, and they didn't. So, so how was New Zealand? What did you do there? Tell me about the hiking and some of the the nice. I mean, I know it's beautiful. So, some of the things that you saw while you were there. Yeah. So New Zealand um, it's always been interesting to me. Just, I mean, it always looks so beautiful in the pictures and just incredible landscape and whatnot. And plus like the adrenaline junkie capital of the world, essentially, or that's Queenstown on the South Island. Um, but I, New Zealand was one of the few places that I went with a tour company there was a there's a tour company called Kiwi Experience, um, Kiwi because that's what they call themselves Kiwis for I don't I still don't know why but <laughs> <laughs> um, so they basically have all these buses that travel around the whole country and you depending on what package you buy I I bought like the best one which takes you everywhere around the the country you um, can hop on and hop off different places and like get on different buses and um, just kind of see it basically takes out the transportation needs. So your transportation is like booked for, cause you always have these, the system of buses and they're really good with booking or helping you book um, excursions or accommodation for the night. Um, cause they work with local people and they're going to help you get the best rates essentially. Um, so for New Zealand, this was like perfect because I was still traveling alone. I didn't want to pay for a rental vehicle for a month and accommodation got, it can get expensive really fast. Um, so this was a really good way to a, you know, meet a bus full of other travelers really easily and travel around with them. Um, and then see the country in an economic way, essentially. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I did a lot of the North Island and then went down to the South Island and did a lot of that. Um, the South Island definitely is better for hiking. Um, it's got some larger mountain ranges, um, some national parks and whatnot. So I think most people probably go to the South Island if they can, like Queenstown area. But I mean, the whole country, you really can't go wrong. It was so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'll be the first to admit I'm not the biggest geography nerd but so you said there's north island and south island are those the two major places yeah and then there's there's actually another island i think further south but it's super small and is mostly like a wildlife refuge kind of thing okay so if you go there it's mostly for like wildlife viewing i think um but yeah the the North Island is where like Auckland is, um, mm. which most people probably fly in or out mm -hmm. of. And like that's North Island is also where like the Lord of the Rings village is, um, the Shire, I guess, and everything like that. And there's some other really cool things in the Northern Island. Um, but yeah, then the South is home to Queenstown and a lot of more like adrenaline type activities like bungee jumping, skydiving. Uh, yeah all all the stuff you associate with New Zealand. <laughs> okay. And then the you said there's a smaller, more southern island is the one where it's like more like the wildlife refuge area. Yeah. And I, I don't really know much about that. I just like it's a little tiny sliver like, mm. on the way south. So I don't think many people go there. Oh, okay. Specifically want to. I would. <laughs> <laughs> 
it sounded really cool. Like it's just hard to get to. And with my time frame, I just didn't have the, mm-hmm. right. have the resources. So if you were to travel from each of those islands to each other, do they have a ferry to take you or do you fly? Yeah, you can fly or um, there w- there's a ferry between the North and South Island that runs every day. So um, on the way down, we took the ferry and then on the way up, was actually supposed to take the ferry, but there was a huge landslide in one of the road, like one of the main roads. So we couldn't get to the North Island. Um, so I had to try and we didn't know how long it was going to take to clear the road, like it could take days. There were some big storms. So I ended up having to like kind of dip out early and fly back to Auckland and then fly from there to Hawaii. Cause that was when I was leaving. So that was a little scary. Um, with the timing there but yeah it worked out well I'm glad it worked out and that your family saw that you weren't doing something crazy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anything in Hawaii that you want to mention everywhere just go (laughs) if you haven't been to Hawaii just go it is it's it's unfair that the U.S. has that like it's just it you it feels like a totally different country when you go there. It's just unbelievable. So beautiful, perfect beaches, perfect weather, awesome hikes, cool wildlife, snorkeling, scuba diving. If that's the stuff you like, yeah, just go. Yeah, <laughs> anything with water, I'll like. <laughs> oh yeah, water, beaches, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Any of those extreme sports when you were in the South Island in New Zealand? Um, I did not. So I've been skydiving before in Texas, so I didn't feel like I had to do that. Um, bungee jumping, I was close to doing, um, ultimately, I mean a lot, like I had to be very choosy with what I did in New Zealand because the excursions were much more expensive. Like there, my budget was just whatever is, I didn't even have a budget. It just didn't matter because it was the excursions, you know, uh, bungee jumping is probably $400, if not more. Um, so the, the main thing I did do, though, was um, we took a helicopter ride up to like a huge glacier in, I forget, I think it's the Franz Joseph Glacier. Um, and so, yeah, you take a helicopter ride up there, then you get out and you hike around the glacier with like the the spiky boots and all the gear and poles and like kind of spend the whole day out in the glacier, then take the helicopter back. So that was one of the bigger excursions that I splurged on. Um, I think that was like $500. So I had to be pretty picky and uh, pretty selective with my activities. Um, But did see a lot of people doing the bungee jumping and skydiving and stuff. So it's uh, if that's your, what you like to do, it's a good place for it. That sounds amazing. I hope you have pictures or videos from the whole glacier spiky boots trek. That sounds like <laughs> I, I just imagine like National Geographic level. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. And the helicopter ride too was like a huge, it was probably a 10 minute ride each way. And I'd never been in a helicopter before. So it was really cool just being in that and seeing the landscape from from the helicopter. That's amazing. So this is going on YouTube. So if you can send me some of those videos or pictures, 
I would love to, you know, add like little clips here and there as we're talking yeah. so that people can, you know, see what you're talking about. And then I'll be uploading it, the, it into the video that way and, or sharing on social media as well. That would be amazing. I'd, I'd love to see that personally. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have them somewhere. I might have to do a little digging, but yeah, I'll, I'll get those to you. Awesome. Cool. Cool. So then you got back from your family vacation from Hawaii and then you've been in Chicago since. So what do you do for work now? And what are some of the the other hobbies that you have other than, I guess, obviously running? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So moved back, um, moved back in with my parents in the suburbs, which was, uh, which was good for the time being. Um, and then I actually, so during this, I was working on kind of my own travel blog and podcast, um, mostly just to one kind of have something to show for my travels, like not, not to show, but I just didn't want to do nothing for, for that whole time in terms of like project wise and creativity. Um, I, I do enjoy like working on that sort of stuff. So it, it was just a way like an outlet for me to kind of, try to make sense of some of the stuff I was seeing and the lessons I was learning and whatnot. So when I got back, I like wasn't really searching for work right away. Um, I was still just working on my blog and um, just trying to like ease back into it kind of slowly and not rush into a job just to get a job. Um, That was like one of the luxuries of living at home is I didn't have to worry about monthly rent. You know, I didn't have to come back and immediately get a job. And um, I just didn't want to go back into that awful work environment that I'd been in previously. So um, took it pretty slow and then ended up finding a job as a, um, a product, uh, what was it? A product specialist um, for Europe trips at a luxury travel company um, actually based in my hometown. So um, I've actually been there ever since and I've switched teams and switched jobs um, due to a layoff with COVID last August. Um, so I've, I was with the company for about a year and a half, was laid off for, um, what was that, F- four or five months, and then was rehired this last February and have been there since. So, um, and now I'm working on the operations team um, for North America trips. So a lot of like national parks and um, individual custom trips all around the country. That's amazing. So that definitely sounds like it aligns a little more with with your interests and passion and you're dealing with traveling all day long and planning other people's travels. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I feel like that sounds a lot more satisfying to you. It definitely has been. It's uh, It's been a really good experience overall. Just one, I don't hate my life when I go into work, <laughs> when I log into work now. Um, uh, so that's a big, a big win in itself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely better and more aligned with what I like and being able to continue doing research about different places. And, um, I know be able to travel a little bit soon here as well and do some like kind of recon work on the ground with different suppliers and whatnot. So, um, it's been really cool just to see like the level of professionalism in this industry, you know, going from like, broke budget backpacker staying in the hostel every night to um, like organizing trips with like super luxurious hotels and um, excursions and whatnot. So it's, it's been cool to kind of see the contrast from my own personal experience and then from the work experience. 
That is pretty cool. So what are some of the clients that you're helping with now? Or are they, you know, it could be individuals, it could be company group excursions. It's all individuals. Um, we, the company does have like a group side of business where they'll actually like package a trip and sell it to like a group of however many people each like 18. Um, and that's what I was doing on the, the old side, the product side, but now I'm on all like individual. So say a uh, husband and wife and their two kids want to do a trip to the Northern Rockies area, Yellowstone and whatnot, and we'll help put it together for them. Um, awesome. So it sounds like you found a job that is, doesn't make you hate your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And do you see any like room for growth in this company? Do you feel like you're going to stick with them for a while? Uh, yeah, there definitely is. And, and the office I'm at right now is like pretty small. Um, like it's almost like a startup, like they've, it's only been around for two years now. Um, like the company as a whole has been around since like the 1960s, but this specific office based in the U S is pretty new. So it's a interesting environment and the team's been kind of changing and growing a lot. So, um, I like it where it's at right now and, uh, you know, we'll see. That sounds really exciting. And it kind of sounds like where the future of travel might go to as well, you know, for people that want to do these huge adventures but they just don't know where to start and finding you know someone to kind of hold your hand through the experience and hopefully being you know somewhat affordable as well I think that will encourage a lot of people to get more out of their comfort zone and speaking of comfort I know that you used to have a podcast named Edge of Comfort Mm -hmm. so it is a wonderful podcast. You know, everyone that's listening, go check out Lee's podcast. There's some really golden nuggets in there. And I personally really enjoyed listening to all the episodes. So what is the status of it now? Do you, I mean, obviously you're working now, so you might not have so much uh, more time, but you had some really exciting guests on there. And I learned so much just listening to it. Are you still wanting to continue your blog and podcast in the future? Uh, first, first off, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> the kind words. Um, and it's been, I haven't really done anything new with it um, in a while. Um, the blog was a really good way, like I do enjoy writing and it was a good way to um, write about like whatever I was experiencing or like something I'd learned and whatnot. So the writing was more so while I was actually traveling and like r- pretty post after it, like relatively post. Um and then I did keep up the podcast for a while after I got home, probably almost a year. Um, but then once I started working full time and um, I just, I lost a little bit of a uh, drive for it. I think it just, um, yeah, I just felt like it kind of, it kind of run its course for what I was looking to get out of it, I think. And I didn't feel like I was going to be able to like put my all into it anymore. So I didn't want to just like do it to do it and produce like half-ass stuff. Um, but it's still available. It's still live. Um, so, you know, maybe someone will come with it in the future, but for right now, it's just kind of dormant, but yeah, all the other episodes are on there. Most of them are pretty like evergreen conversations. Like even though they're from, you know, two or three years ago, the topics are just as relevant today and have some really good uh, conversations. I mean, 
Um, I just knew I'd be meeting a lot of cool people while traveling and I wanted an excuse to like talk to them. So it's a good way to be like, Hey, I don't know you, but I heard you did this. Like I have a podcast and would love to learn more about it. Um, like some of the people I met through it, even once I got home and was reaching out just on Instagram or whatnot, like just met some really fascinating people who've done things like super untraditional in their lives or started a huge travel company or, um, just people with some really fascinating worldviews and perspectives. So um, it was just a good way to kind of broaden my horizon while not actually traveling uh, once I got home. So, Yeah, it kind of gave you, like you said, that excuse to kind of continue traveling, if you will, or living vicariously through these people that you were speaking to on your podcast. So, you know, I'm definitely glad you did it, even though it's more dormant right now. But like you said, it's evergreen conversations. And I definitely felt like it listening to it. I don't feel like, you know, that they were two, three years ago or anything like that. And uh, like you said, you can always add to it in the future. It's always going to be there for you. So any other new um, avenues or phases in your life, you can definitely, you know, publish new blog posts or add to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first part to the conversation that I had with Lee Thornquist. Keep listening for part two, where Lee will tell us about his adventure of running Lake Michigan in which he ran over 1100 miles in under 36 days and also somehow managed to raise $70,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. As a reminder, you can watch all of these back on YouTube as I will have the videos uploaded on there. The channel name is all in one word, many faces, many places. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like the podcast, I would love it if you can leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at MFMPPod. And consider supporting the show at patreon.com MFMP to gain access to exclusive content and bonus perks. And to keep the conversation going, you can tweet me to ask a question or share a comment about what you heard. I would also love to see you post stories to Instagram or Facebook of you listening to the pod or trying any of the activities or recommendations introduced from the Hook You Up segments by my guests or myself. Tag me in your stories or posts at MFMPPod so I can see and maybe also share along. Until then, stay tuned to hear more from the many faces of many places.